First Thessalonians chapter number one and verse number one. The Bible says, Paul and Silvanus and Timotheus unto the church of Thessalonians, which is in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God always for you all making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God and of our Father, knowing, brethren, beloved, your, your election of God. For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and much assurance as you know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. And you become followers of us and of the Lord and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost, so that ye were in samples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. And from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to Godward is spread abroad, so that we need not to speak anything. For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. Father, I pray this morning in Jesus' name, God, that you would give us liberty and vocabulary this morning. I pray the Holy Ghost to do the work that no man can do. Lord, I pray that we would all leave here this morning with a greater vision of you and of ourself, and I pray, God, that we would see ourselves for who we are and see Christ for who he is this morning. Save the lost and reclaim the backslid. And dear God, we'll love you and thank you and praise you for it, for we do ask it in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen, amen. You can be seated this morning. I want to preach on that subject this morning on the DNA of BBC, the DNA of Bible Baptist Church. You say, well now preacher, where do you see that in this text? Well, I want to say here in 1 Thessalonians chapter number one that Paul is writing to the church of Thessalonica. This is a church that Paul established and founded and because of unbelieving Jews, he was ran out of town, but Paul strengthened the church by sending Timotheus over to help uh, to provide leadership and to provide stability for the church and Paul has received the report of the church of Thessalonica and how that is doing. And what Paul does in this chapter here is Paul gives great tribute to this church for their faithfulness, for who they are, and for what they're doing and for where they are going. You know, when you think about the DNA this morning, that's what DNA is. It's genetically uh, information that tells us who we are. It tells us what we are, amen, and what we're made up of. When you think about DNA this morning, uh, Paul is going to highlight seven things this morning that is literally the DNA of this church. In other words, uh, it's what this church is, it's uh, what this church is doing and where this church is going. Now when you think about a vision Sunday, uh, we think about where we're going and what we're doing, but we cannot know where we're going if we're not reminded of who we are and how we got to where we're at and what we're doing, amen? I wanna say this morning that the DNA of every church is important as it is in this church as well it is as it is in Bible Baptist Church. Now, when you think about Paul in chapter number one, uh, Paul is praising this church and Paul is testifying about this church and I wanna do that this morning and just simply testify and praise. Uh, I thank God for Bible Baptist Church. I thank God for what God is doing in this church uh, and by the grace of God, what we are and what we're doing uh, and where we're going is not gonna change. Somebody say amen. And that's what Paul is saying about this church 
Christian. And when you think about that this morning, I want to be a part of a place uh, that has a good testimony that's been faithful down through the years. Amen? Now, there's a lot of them that have, but they're no longer that way this morning. When I think about the DNA of Bible Baptist Church and the church of Thessalonica, I see these seven things here in this text that Paul highlights. I want to point them out to you this morning, give them to you, and we'll be through. Number one, the first thing I see about the church of Thessalonica is I see that what it was made up of was strong leadership. Amen? Notice uh, in verse number one, the Bible said Paul and Sylvanus and Timotheus. Amen? Now you've got the, the leadership of the church uh, on a man-made level. That was the men of God that was instrumental in that church going in the direction that it was supposed to and then uh, you've got it on a spiritual level you've got uh, the God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ that's the head and the corner of the church cornerstone of the church amen and I want to say leadership is very important uh, concerning the direction in which a church is going to go amen and we're living in a time when a lot of churches don't have strong leadership and I want to say if there's any, th- any time we've ever needed it it's the day and hour we're living in right now amen Amen. Sin is at an all-time high. Compromise is at an all-time high. And these men that are mentioned in verse number one, Paul and Sylvanus and, and Timotheus, think about what kind of men they were. I would say that you would agree this morning that they were humble men. Is that right? They were not men that was magnifying themselves. Paul said, I magnify my office. Isn't that right? Uh, listen, Paul talked about Christ as one that, that made himself of no reputation and that's the kind of man that Paul was. It was a kind a man that Timothy was. Pride and arrogancy has crept into leadership in a lot of our churches today and churches have become more about personality than principle. Is that right? They become more about man than ministry and any church that's built around a man will surely crumble. Amen? It'll surely fall and Paul did not build this church upon Paul. He didn't build it upon Timothy but he built it upon the word of God. He built it upon the uh, God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to say, we need strong leadership in this day and time. They were humble men and they were holy men. They were men without compromise. Men that would not fold when things got hard. Man at his best is just flesh and we know that, but man has to have conviction. He has to have principle. And if that conviction and that principle is not built upon the word of God, he will fold and he will falter, amen? I'll tell you what holds all of us uh, when the rubber meets the road, whether it be family or whether it be friends uh, or whether it be longtime church membership, uh, whenever you're tested and tried, uh, when you go to the Bible, if the Bible says it one way and the church is wanting to go another way, guess what you do? you go with the Bible, amen? I mean, listen, you may lose the crowd. You may lose, uh, listen, you may lose people that have money. You may lose people that have talent, but God will always bless you for taking the right stand and providing the right kind of leadership, amen? If God says it's wrong, then it's wrong, amen? If God says it's right, then it's right. And those who are in leadership will be held accountable for what they do with what God has given them, Amen? And so this church was made up of strong leadership. I thank God for the deacons of this church. Somebody say it, man. Now, I understand people preach on deacons and their wives, and rightfully so, just like they preach on preachers and their wives, but I can honestly and truthfully say that we have a good, godly group of deacons who spend time in prayer, who pray for this church, who pray for me and my family, who pray for the membership of this church. As I mentioned just the other Sunday, I can say this about all the deacons' wives and the pastor's wife, that they don't gossip, they don't have a long tongue, they're not out stirring up trouble in the church. Somebody say amen. 
You don't have to worry about them, how they're going to look and live through the week. They're going to do right and they be right. Amen. Thank God for strong leadership that has not changed down through the years. Amen. And so the church of Thessalonica and as well as Bible Baptist Church, you say, what is the DNA of this church? What is this church made up of? Same as this church, strong leadership. Can I get a witness on that this morning? Secondly, not only strong leadership, but I see that this church was made up of spirituality. Amen. Paul in verse number one, he talks about the Godhead. He talks about God the Father and in the and, and talks about the Lord Jesus Christ. And then if you look down in verse number five, he talks about that they came not in word only but in power and in the Holy Ghost. And then in verse number six, he mentions with joy of the Holy Ghost. I'll tell you a good Bible study in this chapter here is to go home and highlight all the times that Paul uses the name because that's not all of them. All the times that Paul refers to God, the Lord Jesus, the Holy Spirit, or the Holy Ghost. Uh, You know what Paul is doing in this chapter? He's elevating spirituality. Amen? You see, spirituality is not based on a man. It's not based on a method. It's not based on mannerism. Amen? It's based on, you know what spirituality is? It's based on God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. Amen? You can have the right methods, you can have the right man, and you can have all the right manners of living and not be spiritual. Isn't that right? You see, just doing right doesn't make you spiritual. I believe we ought to live clean. Somebody say amen. I hope I hadn't knocked a shout out of you this morning. Uh, I believe we ought to I believe we ought to, uh, listen, we ought to have uh, clean lives and we ought to live clean lives but, and we ought to have a list of things we don't do. Somebody say amen. And the older we get, the longer the list ought to be because the more wicked the world's getting. Isn't that right? But can I tell you something? A list alone doesn't make you spiritual. I think I said that last Sunday. So I've seen people wear dresses to the ground and I'm for that, but they were not spiritual. You see, my friend, spirituality comes from within. Now, it'll produce works from without, but spirituality is a personal relationship with God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Ghost. And and what Paul is doing is he is elevating what needs to be elevated. He's putting those in their rightful place that that belong in their rightful place. Uh, You look at some churches, they they elevate the the pastor. And I think you ought to honor the pastor. You ought to love him, love his wife, and love his children. Now, I hate to preach that, but I've got to preach it because it's right and one day I'm going to be gone. I mean, I don't want to pastor people that disrespect and I don't want to disrespect the people, amen? But I want to tell you something. The church is not built on a pastor. Somebody say amen. Church is not built on the deacons. They know that and they agree with that. The church is not built on some rich uh, man in the community, amen? I've been in churches and uh, every preacher here can testify the fact I preached in churches. Listen, they were family owned and operated. You know that? You walk down the hallway to the bathroom and you see that they've had 35 pastors in the last 34 years, amen? That tells you a whole lot about about a church like that. I mean, they change pastors like people change socks, you know? Uh, Because, listen, that last name controls the whole thing. God ain't in a million miles of that, amen? It doesn't matter what my last name is. It doesn't matter what your last name is. Uh, I'm gonna tell you who blesses and who runs and who operates the church. Uh, It's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you, listen, a spiritual church will magnify the personality of the Godhead and not the personality of the pastor or the membership, amen. So we see that 
this church is a spiritual church. I think about Paul as he magnifies them. It's old-fashioned because God put his stamp of approval on the church because it was built upon the fundamentals of the faith. What is the DNA of Thessalonica? I'll tell you what the DNA of this church was. It was spirituality. And friend, it's amazing today that what people will call a good church, if they've got a beautiful building, if they've got a good number of membership, if they've got money in the bank, if they've got a pastor and pastor's wife that fits an image or a profile, a lot of times people never look any further than that. They don't look at what the church stands for and what the church stands against. Can I tell you, that's very important when you think about a church. The church ought to be standing for some things and a church ought to be standing against some things. And any church that wants to stand for something but not stand against something is not a local New Testament church, amen? We're living in that time. Spirituality is not based upon a shout. It's not based upon the music program. It's not based upon a sermon outline. It's not based on the size of crowd. Y'all still with me this morning? None of that marks spirituality. I'm telling you, if God is pleased, if God is praised, uh, and if God's stamp of approval is on the church, uh, there's one thing we got to have every time we turn the lights on. And I'll tell you what it is. Uh, I'm telling you, it's the, it's the breeze from another world. Uh, if he don't show up and if he don't pass by, it don't matter how many people's in the building. It don't matter how big the offering was. We've got to have God in these days. We need him, don't we? I don't like Presbyterian services. Amen. Somebody say amen. I don't like Methodist church services. I'm not against the Methodists. I'm not against the Presbyterian. There's some good ones I, I love as friends, but, but I'm not a Presbyterian. I'm not a Methodist, amen. I'm not twice dead and plucked up by the roots. I, I wanna go to church where you feel something. Now, you say, Brother Grantley, we don't go on feelings, no. But if I was in a church where I never felt nothing, I'd get real nervous, wouldn't you? It's not the deeper you go, the drier you get. Well, I'm telling you, this is real this morning. And I know this ain't everybody's cup of tea, but I'm sure I'm glad I'm drinking from it this morning, aren't you? I wouldn't change. Thank God we're not changing. Amen? And spirituality, I'm telling you, when God is working and moving in the midst of our church, that's spirituality. Sometimes God's working and there's total silence. But we know that he's moving. There's drawing power. There's conviction. The DNA of this church was spiritual. I wonder how many churches today are existing without any level, their function without any level of spirituality. And then I notice supplication. Look what he said in verse number three. Verse number two, he said, we give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers. That's supplication. Remembering without ceasing. Paul was praying for these people. And these people was praying for Paul. I think the DNA of every church ought to be supplications. A church that is moving forward, a church that has a vision is a praying church. It's gonna take more than a calendar and a devotional book, somebody say amen, to have revival. Nothing wrong with neither one of them. They're just tools, amen, to motivate us and gear us in the right direction. But you know us as well as I do, as I said before, all the things that go on around here, if they're not bathed in prayer, if prayer is not at the heart of what we're doing, then we'll not do anything for God. We'll just be a social club, isn't that right? Jesus said in Matthew 21, 22, in all things, whatsoever you shall ask in prayer, believe and you shall receive. I'm glad that you can pray and that God answers prayer. Jeremiah 33 and verse three, he said, call 
unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things that thou knowest not of. I'm glad that promise is in the Bible, aren't you? I'm glad that David said in Psalm 65 and verse number two, O thou that hearest prayer, unto thee shall all flesh come. I'm glad that Peter said in 1 Peter chapter number one, he said his eyes are over the righteous and his ears are open unto their prayers. John said in 1 John chapter number five and verse number 13, he said, and this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he heareth us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desire of him. I'm glad the God that we serve and the God that we sing about and the God that we preach about, he's not a deaf God sitting in the heavens. He's not even hard of hearing, but he's a God that his ears are open. He's more willing to answer than we are willing to ask this morning. You see, I'll tell you, if we're gonna be blessed, we have to be a church of prayer. I believe this morning there are people here that if you ask them to pray for you, they'll pray for you. We pray for the rock of ages, don't we? And I believe rock of ages prays for us. I believe Brother Ellison and his wife prays for this church and thank God for it. When Brother Cape left this world, I remember the morning after he passed away sitting at my desk. And I thought to myself, Miss Cape, of everything else, I'll miss his wit and I'll miss his laughter and and I'll miss going over there and eating biscuits and him complain about it. Now, I've not missed eating biscuits, amen. But I'd go over there and eat and he'd say, well, preacher, this is all we got. got. If you can eat it with a clear conscience, go ahead and help yourself. And I'd say to him, I'd say, well, I don't have much of a conscience. We're looking at them biscuits right now. And he'd just aggravate and I miss all that about him. But the morning after he went to glory, I sat there at my desk and wept. I thought, dear God, I'll tell you what I'm going to miss the most. Was that every morning he met with God and he prayed for this church. I remember the first scripture Brother Cape read when he came back to this church. Was that a second or third John where John said that he, he rejoiced to hear that his children prospered. And I remember him standing over in the pulpit reading that and weeping and preaching that morning. I'm going to tell you, a great man of God years ago made the statement. He said, you're no greater than the people who pray for you. And it's true. I'll tell you what we need more than anything else is to pray one for another. You know, you can't stay mad at people you pray for. Is that right? You can't gossip about people you pray for. Try talking to, to, to somebody about somebody in the church and then go home and get on your knees and try praying for them. It don't work. And when you pray for people, you don't want to run them down because you're burdened for them. You're praying for them. When you pray for people, you love them more. If you pray for your husband or your wife, you'll love them more. Isn't that right? And they'll love you more. If you pray for your children, it'll make you love your children more. If you pray for your church, you won't badmouth your church. You won't talk about your church if you're praying for your church because you love your church. Amen. No, it's not a perfect church, but I'm glad to be hooked up to it this morning. I want to tell you, listen, this is a church that their DNA was supplication. I would say this morning, if you're not a praying church member, you ought to start today, amen. You ought to get your church directory and you ought to put it in your Bible and every morning when you get up and read your Bible, you ought to open that directory up and you ought to go through page by page, person by person, family by family and you ought to call their name out and you ought to pray for them. Some days you'll find yourself praying more for this one than for that one. You know why that is? Because the Holy Ghost knows. You see, we can't pray for everybody. I can't pray for everybody I run into. It'd be impossible. 
I could pray all day long and never pray for everybody if I wrote everybody's name down. You know who you're supposed to pray for? You're supposed to pray for the people that God assigned you to. In other words, Brother Barnes is praying for some people that I'm not praying for. But I'm praying for some people he's not praying for. Brother Laddie is praying for some people that neither one of us is praying for. Now I can tell you the Holy Ghost has already assigned every one of us uh, to our family members, isn't that right? We're to pray for our family. Those in our family, God assigned them to us. You know that. We're to pray for our family. And then God assigned us to pray for our church members. Amen. We're to pray for every member of this church by name and call their name out in prayer. And then beyond that realm, we're to pray for every person that God lays upon our heart. When the Holy Ghost says, put their name down and start praying for them, that means God assigns you to that person. Do you know, if you don't pray for them, nobody else may not pray for them. You may be the only person that the Holy Ghost assigned you to put their name on that list and pray for them. I'll tell you when somebody walks up to me, I got a text this morning, I don't even know who it was. It was a number I didn't know, but they just said, uh, preacher, do you have any special needs for this year? Said God has laid some preachers on my heart for 2020 and he laid you on my heart and if you've got a special request, uh, he said, I just want to pray for you this year. I don't even know who that person was, but I'll tell you, I stopped what I was doing. I said, thank God. Thank you, Lord, that you spoke to somebody's heart to call my name out in prayer. I said, brother, I said, there is something I'm asking God to do for our church. And I said, I, it's an unspoken request, but I'm asking you, would you pray with me in 2020? And he sent a message back. He said, I'll put it down and I'll pray for it every day. I just about could run around my office and shout that God spoke to somebody and said, text him and put him on your prayer list. It's not just me on that list, but this church is on that list. Now you think about it this morning. How's your prayer life? Don't start this year off right. Make time to pray. All you young people, you'll miss the will of God if you don't have a prayer life. And I know you've got to have a prayer life more than a prayer list, but the fact is if you don't have a list, you probably will never have much of a prayer life. Sometimes the flesh gets tired, but pray through it anyway. You ever fallen asleep in prayer? Come on now. Not, surely me and Brother Point Dexter isn't the only two. I'm telling you, if you're having a hard time sleeping, just start praying. A devil will roll you up in his arms and rock you to sleep. What he'll do. It's better than being a drill, friend. Amen. That's why I'm but you know what? You start praying. That flesh gets tired in prayer. That flesh don't like to pray. But I saw God. I saw God do something. It was just a little glimmer. But I saw God do something this very week that I was praying about that I thought was such a mountain that would never change. And it's not changed, but Brother Barnes, I, I, see a, I saw a little glimmer of hope. I, I seen the tide turn just a little bit. And you know what it made me want to do? It made me want to stop what I was doing, find me a secret place somewhere so, and thank him for it and ask him again. I'm telling you, we're living below our privileges a lot of times uh, because we don't steal away somewheres and pray. Uh, oh, but I'll tell you this morning, uh, you get a church and get a hold of the horns of the altar and get in touch with heaven uh, and it'll start praying. Uh, it'll be like a mighty army. It'll march on in spite of the culture, in spite of the compromise. We can carry on if we'll pray. Amen. I see not only the DNA of this church was supplication, but it was service. Notice what the Bible says. 
in verse number three. He said, remember without ceasing your work of faith, labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Now watch this. In the sight of God and our Father, he talks about a work of faith, a labor of love and a patience of hope. And we won't deal with those three things this morning. The first one has to do with the past and salvation, that work of faith. The second one has to do with that present and that service, labor of love. Those that are saved will serve him out of a, a loving heart. And then that patience of hope has to do with that prospect, that seeking the Lord, looking for his coming. And thank God we have that this morning. But I'm here to tell you the fact is this church was a serving church. It was a working church. You might be here this morning and say, Brother Gravely, why all the handouts? Why all the, why all the pieces of paper? Why, why, why do you want us to do this and do that? Because we ought to be busy about our Father's business. Amen? And don't say, well, I can't do this. Why 20 things for 2020? Because if we don't have something to do, guess what? We won't do anything. Amen? And we've got to do something. And listen, you say, well, why don't we just buy some of those things on that list? Why don't the church just buy it? Or why don't we just hire somebody to do it? because you miss the point if you do that. The point is not that we can't, but the point is that there's a blessing in giving. There's a blessing in serving. There's a blessing in doing. And whenever a church comes together and works and serves and labors, God blesses that church, amen. You remember when God got, when the angel came to Peter when he was in prison and he opened those three wards and let him walk through and he took the shackles off. There's something you ought to catch in that text. He still, when he woke Peter up, he made him put his own shoes on and his own clothes. He didn't do everything for Peter just because he could. And in a church, I think a lot of times if we're not careful, we get the mindset, well, if God don't do it, it can't be done. We know that anything that gets done, God is behind that. But there is a responsibility on heaven's part that there's so much that we can't do. But there's a responsibility on our part. Don't be a lazy church member in 2020. Don't sit around and say, well, I can't do nothing. Can't never could, amen? And you'll never know what you can do through the power of the Holy Spirit if you don't make your mind up that you're gonna serve God. You say, well, well I can't do what so-and-so's doing. You don't have to do what they're doing. But there's a job for everyone to do. There's responsibilities for everyone to work and serve. And it's God's will. We don't need a title. We don't need a trophy. We don't need an accolade. But everybody can do something. Can I get an amen right there? There's a job for everyone in this church to do. This is a serving church. That's why we have visitation. That's why we knock on doors. That's why we, we constantly are doing things because we, we want to serve. We want to be busy. And then I see that it is a soul winning church. He says in verses four down to verse number eight, this church was getting the gospel out so much that Paul and them didn't even have a need to spread the word in that area. In other words, it's our theme. They were making their presence known. Paul said, I don't need to go to Macedonia or Achaia. He said in verse number, verse number eight, he said, for from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place. Your faith to God were to spread abroad so that we need not to speak anything. Paul said, church, you've done a great job about getting the gospel out. You've done a great job about making his presence known. And in 2020, we don't want to make our presence known, but we want to make his presence known. We want to get the gospel to every doorstep. We want to get the gospel 
gospel to every sinner, whether it be on the street or down at the supermarket. We want to get the gospel out and tell people that Jesus is still mighty to save. And any church that's going forward is a soul winning church. The Bible said, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life and he that winneth souls is wise. That involves giving. It involves going. It involves the missionary. But it involves you and I in getting tracks and the gospel out around this community. Is that right this morning? You know, the reason God has left us here on this earth is that we might spread the gospel. You can't preach the gospel to the wrong person. You say, Brother Gravely, I'm nervous about passing out tracts. Well, if you'll pass them out, God will bless you for that. Sometimes you'll pass a track out to somebody that looks like the kindest person on earth and they're the meanest person you've ever run into. Have y'all ever experienced that? I mean, some little old lady over there that looks like she couldn't hurt a flea. And you talk to her about anything else, but the minute you give her a track, I mean, the, the, the very demons of hell start coming out of her. And then you'll see some guy that, I mean, he looks like he's murdered 15 people. You're afraid to go up and talk to him and, and he'll be just the kindest person and say, thank you, sir, for that. You can't never stereotype somebody. You, you never know what's in the heart of an individual. I'll tell you, for every door that ever gets slammed in our face, for every time we ever get run off, for every time they tell us don't come back to this area and knock on doors anymore, it's worth every time somebody walks down that aisle. It's worth every time somebody gets saved. It's worth every time somebody gets saved at the mission and Brother Ken comes in and tells a report of leading somebody to Christ you say do you believe all them people get saved well why don't you try giving the gospel out for yourself and find out what happens amen I'm talking about sowing the gospel giving the word of God out that's what the DNA of every church ought to be that's the biggest thing we can do is preach the gospel amen that's what this church was doing may we continue to send missionaries may we continue to support worldwide evangelism and Door knocking. I, I think in, in November we had one Saturday where we had 45 people up. And most of the time we'll have 25 to 30 people every Saturday. I appreciate that church. But more importantly, God appreciates it. I know that some people can't come, maybe due to work, maybe due to schedules, and I'm not fussing about that, but I'm thankful that there's an interest in getting the gospel out. I like to see whole families come out and go on church-wide visitation and take their children and knock on doors. And I'm telling you, isn't that a blessing some people physically can't come? And we understand that. And you don't have to have an organized visitation program to give the gospel out. I know that. But I'm thankful that we're not a church where two people show up and nobody's interested in it. Amen. I'm glad there's people here that want to give the gospel. They want to tell people about Jesus Christ. You know why? That's what we're about. Now, I want to say this morning, not only soul winning, but stay with me a few more minutes this morning. The DNA of this church is the same with ours as separation. Notice what the Bible said in verse number nine. For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you. Now, watch this. How you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God. You ought to underline that statement. How you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. I looked at that statement last night, Brother Laddie, and I thought, you know what? Everything that separation entails is in that phrase. I thought about the direction. Notice what he said, how you turn to God 
Do you notice that what Paul said when he talked about separation in the church? It wasn't a turning from the world, but it was a turning first to God. You see, if you're a church, and we are, that believes in Bible separation, people will say, well, you're just Pharisees or you're legalists, and none of that's true. The definition of a Pharisee and a legalist is not even what they claim it to be. We're not adding anything to salvation, amen? But if you're a church that stands against some things and stands for some things, if you stand for something, you have to stand against some things. If you're for this, it means you're against that. Is that true this morning? And so, but here's separation. A lot of people think separation is just, well, turning away from things. But look what he said. It's turning to God. The direction of separation is not emphasized turning from the world first, but it's emphasized turning to God. That keeps you from being a Pharisee and a legalist because our separation is not a bunch of do's and don'ts because we think we're better than somebody else. No, it's a devotion to God. We've turned to God. And friend, when you turn to God, it's automatic. You're gonna turn away from some things. Amen? I wanna make this statement. There's a lot of people that want to act like they're godly and they want to act like they're holy. There's a lot of preachers and there's a lot of churches that want to act like they're old fashioned. But listen, you bear down just a little bit. You start naming sin just a little bit and they'll get sideways in a hurry. They want the glory, but they don't want to pay the price. They don't like the clean living. They're teaching people, well, you can be right with God and have the blessing of God and still live a worldly lifestyle. It's not true this morning. Brother, turning from, that's the direction. And then the distance is that you turn from the idols of this world. So when you turn to God, you pull away from some things. And then the devotion to serve the living and true God. I want to say this about standards, convictions. All of these things that we could name this morning, the reason we're against those things is because God's against those things. Is that right this morning? I want to be against anything God's against. Can I get a witness on that? And the reason I want to be against that is not just because God's against, but because I love the Lord. Can you say amen to that? And when you are separated out of devotion because you love him, then there's no, there's no chains, there's no burden, there's no, those things are not, listen, it's not hard to give something up because you love somebody. If you truly love them, there's a lot of things that a wife will give up for her husband and a husband will give up for his wife and, and as parents, they'll give up for their children, but they're not chains, they're not burdens. You gladly do that because of love. Isn't that right? And when you love God, guess what? Separation is, is easy to come away from because it's devotion to God. And may I say, as a church, that is in our DNA. We're not gonna compromise that. Somebody say amen. I'm not gonna leave that off in the message just cause it's past 12 o'clock this morning. I'm here to tell you, we're still standing for the same things we've always stood for and we're still standing against those things, amen. We're still against sodomy. Somebody say amen. Sodomy is sin. Listen, I feel for people that's been affected by Every family, including my own, has been affected by that. And I feel for people that are going through that. But the fact of the matter is, it's an abomination. It is sin. I don't care what Washington says. I don't care what, listen, any Southern Baptist movement says. I don't care what the Methodists or the Presbyterians say. Listen, Freya, it is still sin. Amen. Our children have to know sodomy is sin. We get quiet on that and they'll turn out that way. 
See, they're not living in the same uh, America that we grew up in when they were in the closet and everybody was ashamed of it. No, now they hold offices in our country. Now they're judges and they're lawyers and they're doctors and they parade down the street and now they're pumped through the Hollywood system and the video games uh, and everything else and they have grown up in a society that has not shamed them for that lifestyle but has accepted that. And the only place they're gonna hear it nowadays uh, is down at the local New Testament church uh, and sad to say they're not even hearing that anymore. I'll tell you, sodomy is sin. It's always been sin. It always will be sin. And anybody that's right with God will stand against it. Amen. Now, I love the sodomites, but I hate the sin. And I want to say I'm like, we're against gambling. Somebody say amen. I got about 15 more minutes of preaching, but it'll be all right not even thinking about closing, all right? So don't close in your mind, okay? I'm talking about this morning, we're against gambling, aren't we? Gambling, we're, that means we're against playing the lottery. Somebody say, man, scratch offs. We're against that. Don't go down to the, don't go down to the local, uh, listen, a gas station and buy, and, and buy you a lottery ticket and then hand her a gospel track and invite her to church, amen? We don't want anybody to know that you're a member of this church. We're praying you get right with God. You say, preacher, that offends me. The only reason that offends you is because you're guilty, isn't that right? Gambling is sin. For you to win, that means somebody else has to lose. And can I tell you, that's not what Christian living and giving is about. I'm telling you, listen, you're to be a good steward of what God gave you, and if God gave you that money. He didn't give you that money to go spend it frivolously on however taking a chance. You're to put that money up. You're to use it wisely and you're to use it according to the will of God. Amen. And if God wants you and I to be rich, he'll give it to us. We don't have to take a chance. We don't live by chance and circumstance. Gambling is wrong. So many other sins I feel like preaching on this morning. Adultery is still sin. Somebody say amen to that. It's still unlawful to be shacked up with some other somebody else's spouse, amen. And listen, in this church, I pray that it doesn't ever come in this church, but if you're here this morning and you're contemplating or you're involved in it, you need to get right with God, but you're on dangerous ground. Adultery is sin. Listen, to have another man's wife or, or to have another woman's husband, that's wickedness, that's sin. God will judge the adulterer. You're not gonna get by. God is gonna make you pay for that. You need to repent, get right with God. Adultery is sin and as a church, we're against it. Somebody say amen. Say, preacher, what if it hits close to home? You still stand against it. You love them. You pray for them. You weep with them. But you tell them the truth. Fornication is still sin. I'm going to tell you something, friend. Every unmarried person in this room, you need to keep yourself pure. You need this morning to have guidelines and boundaries and accountability. You need to stay away from people and places and things that would draw you in. You need to have great accountability. The Bible says it's better for a man not to even touch a woman. You saw a preacher, are you one of those kinds? 150%. It's hard to commit fornication if you're not touching somebody. Say amen. Isn't that right? You start kindling desires and fires that ought not be kindled. That's why in a church, as I've said before, I want to say again, we don't hug other people's spouses. Somebody say amen. 
You say, you think you're, you're better? No, I, it's just safety zones that, that we have to keep and, and we ought to keep those things. Now, sometimes I get in mountain places where they'll just come up and say, well, we're huggers and before you can get two words out, they done got both arms wrapped around you and your nose is in their armpit and I'm saying, dear God in heaven, if you'll get me out of the bowels or wherever I'm at, I'll get as far away from them as I can. I know they mean well, but it's still wrong. Somebody say amen. And they do it. All you got to do is pray, Lord, bless their ignorance. But you know better than I do too. Can somebody say amen? I don't want no man hugging my wife. Somebody say amen. And I don't want to be hugging no man's wife because I'm afraid what nowadays somebody will take a picture and they ain't no telling what they may say about you. I'm talking about separation. It's a word that scares Baptists to death nowadays. Perversion, Hollywood, dancing. We're against dancing. Somebody say amen. You've heard it said many times, a dancing leg and a praying knee, they don't go together. I don't think Christians go to dances. Somebody say amen. He said, well, we just four square. We just, whatever that's called. What is it? That's a game, isn't it? Shows you how much I know about it. What is it? That, uh, square dancing. I knew I'd get it. He said, well, I just go down to the, the civic center down here and, and just a bunch of old people with square dance. Doesn't make no difference, Amen. Don't ruin your testimony in your gray, gray years, amen. I, I mean, be against it. Somebody say, how many of y'all against dancing? Raise your hand. Don't be ashamed this morning. Don't, don't halfway raise it neither. Put it up there if you're against it, amen. I'm talking about it's sin. Listen, you ought to stand against it. If you don't, they'll all be for it, amen. I'm talking about it's wrong. When's the last time you heard a good sermon on that? I'm talking about friend. We, we separate from the world in those areas. Loose living, worldliness, carnality. We're against all those things. You know why? Because we love him. There weren't a time when people have conviction about nothing hardly no more. And they won't apologize about everything. We're in a politically correct society, but it's really incorrect. When you can't even use words that used to be used. Well, I'm telling you, me and my wife's talking about one day growing up, we, we grew up in camp meeting preaching all of our life. And I told her, we was talking one day, I said, man, some of the words, and I'm not talking about pulpit cussing, but some of the words we used or we heard used was so plain that nowadays I, this generation couldn't, for the most part, couldn't take it. Everybody's so sensitive today, aren't they? And if you're not careful, I'll tell you where we'll get sucked into that. If you and I are not careful, we will allow the, the, in, the, the sensitivity of this society to cause us just to be quiet. We're for it, but we don't want to say nothing because we're afraid of what it may stir up. I'm going to tell you, there's some things that need to be stirred up in this society. Amen. I'll tell you what this generation needs. They need another generation of old-time leather lung preachers that'll take that black back book and get up on Sunday morning, prayed in the power and the spirit of the Holy Ghost uh, with a burden in their soul and Jesus in their heart and compassion for their lives uh, and preach it straight delivered across the pulpit uh, without the fear and the favor of man. Uh, I'm talking about friend that's been that kind of preaching that kept me as a teenager on the right path. Uh, old time men of God uh, that would catalog and label sin and call it like it is. Uh, that said you ought to dress right. You ought to look right. You ought to live right if you're a Christian. You ought to talk right. And they named sin for what it was. Hey, that's our vision. That's what we are. That's who we are this morning. That's what we've always been. And by God's grace, that's what we're always going to be. I, will, I pray. I really believe we're going to build a new building. 
And I believe that God's going to fill it up. I don't know how and I don't know when, but I do know that. But I'll tell you how we're not going to do it. We're not going to do it by watering down our sermons or changing our music by putting colored lights in the choir. Hey, if they want to do that, I don't have anybody in mind when I say that, neither Brother Laddie. I've had friends in the ministry start doing it. And I don't I preach harder here than I do at other churches because I'm the pastor. I'm not the pastor of those churches. But I'll tell you something, that is the start of something, a road that we never want to go down. Friend tell me, he said, Well, it's just he said, What's the big deal? It's just colored lights. I said, if it's not a big deal, then leave them the way they are. Is that right? I know I hit a stump. I don't know why I hit a stump on that. But I'm telling you, friend, we're, we don't need those things. If preaching the Bible and praying and knocking on doors and telling people about Jesus, that will get the job done. But there is no other... There is no other, and I, I, I believe in technology and use it as a tool and, and methods. There's nothing wrong with things like that. And I'll tell you, there's some methods we ain't touching with a 10-foot pole. Because, you say, well, preacher, what's the difference? Because it's an identity that we do not want to be a part of. It's joining a movement. Mom and Dad, hear me this morning. If I've ever bore my heart, I'll bear it right here. Make your mind up this morning that you will raise your children in an old-fashioned Bible-believing church all the days of their lives. No matter, make your minds up this morning that you'll marry and stay in an old-fashioned church under old-time preaching. No matter the size of crowd, no matter who goes, if your best friends Go in a different direction. And that's for you adults too. You stay in the right way. Because I'll tell you in the end, if you don't, you're the one who loses. Brother Don, I, I pray that, that when I'm an old man, I plan on living to be old. Now if I die before I'm old, y'all tell everybody I was more surprised than any of you. Amen. I mean, I plan on living to be real old. But you know what? If I get to live to be an old man, there's one thing I don't ever want to do, if God will help me. I don't want to compromise. I'd rather die young than to compromise. I mean that with all of my heart. I mean that this morning. I don't want to compromise. I'm going to tell you why. Because I stood this way when my kids were coming up. And I never want, well, I never want you or your sister to walk by the casket and look and say, I love my dad, but he changed. He backed up. He got worried in his older years about a paycheck and a crowd, and he, he gave in. I, I told somebody one time, I said, I didn't change for my girls. If there would ever been a time, I would have thought about it, it had been then. I said, I didn't change for them and I'm not going to change. 
because of you. Hear me this morning. You've got to get that in your soul. There can be no doubt. There can be no question this morning where you stand when it comes to that King James Bible and what it says. You've got to be so, you've got to have so much conviction about that book that even if the dearest person on earth turns away from it, you'll not fold. Now the only way to do that is by the grace of God. But you've got to believe it. You've got to believe it. I'll tell you the DNA. You know this church is 50, and next month this church will be 59 years old, if my math is correct. I pray it is because I just threw that out there. 59 years old. And you know what? I've been here 21 years and in 21 years, you know what I'd hear? I'd hear, I'd hear two different stories. I'd hear people say, oh man, that Bible Baptist Church and Berman Cape. Man, now that's that church. Shouting church, preach it. Old brother Berman Cape would preach until his shoes would be filled with sweat. And his socks would be wet. Preaching people getting saved, choir. I mean, boy, they'd say good things about that. Well, that church has always been old-fashioned. And then there's other people that when you tell them, they kind of look at you, you know, like you got a big old pimple right here on your forehead. Yeah, yeah I know that church. When they say that church, <laughs> that's a good balance, isn't it? Some people think we're liberals. Some people think we're Pharisees. That's a good balance. What about you this morning? You're going to stay with old-time religion. You're going to stay with God. You're going to stay with the book this morning. What's your DNA this morning? As we stand...